blessed assurance and welcome to Kingdom Christian Fellowship, KCF. We reveal the reality of the Kingdom of God and Christ Jesus in the lives of people all over the world. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and inspired to improve your relevance in the Kingdom of God. Apostle J Ministry, then you are suspect. Check, 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 check your neighbor's phone. If they are now looking for Apostle's page, tell them that Apostle is not your father. Apostle also said he wasn't going to preach, but yesterday he preached multiple sermons. And as he was preaching, I was saying, Father, let him cut his short before he enters my message. I that today we'll just come and then we'll just tell the media team to replay the message. We'll all sit down, soak the message, and we'll go and have our breakfast. Amen. Hallelujah. I want us to start this way. I want us to read our scriptures, our two main scripture readings, and then we'll see what the Lord will do. Right. So, the first one, the book, don't shout when I mention this one, but Songs of Solomon, chapter 8. <laughs> I just said don't shout. <laughs> Let's go to the book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 8. It doesn't sound far, you see. You should have been doing this during the relationship sooner, but it will flow like that. Amen? The weather the the allows it, right? Powerful, powerful. Songs of Solomon, chapter 8. Let's read from the verse number 6. All the way to the verse number 7. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, from verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it will be utterly despised. Hallelujah. The verse 7 says that many waters cannot quench love. If you have a beloved, a wife, a husband, it is a perfect opportunity to tell them that you love them. And then tell them that for the rest of this camp, I've already told you on the second day that I love you. So, there's just a shout out to my wife over there. Today, I've told you. <laughs> wow. Hallelujah. Amen. So you are my witness. I've said it today, right? In case it changes, I'll let her know publicly. <laughs> Reverend Robin. <laughs> One of God. Send that message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Did you hear the scripture? Mm, okay. Because we'll come back to it later on. Now let's open to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Now we looked at this yesterday. So I'm not going to delve into all the scripture. I want to just pick some part of it. Let's read from the verse number 17 to the verse number 24. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18 from verse 17. Yes. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, 
I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in, in that you have forsaken the commandment of the Lord and have followed the bows. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah to eat at Jezebel's table. Verse 20. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophet together on Mount Carmel. Verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between, between two opinions? Pause there. I want, if the Bible is yours, I want you to underline that. How long will you falter between two opinions? Underline that. Let's continue, man of God. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. Verse 24. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Hallelujah. Now I want you to underline the verse number 24 of the Bible is yours. If you borrowed the Bible, be careful. So the Bible says in the verse number 24, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And the God who answers by fire, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Now, I want you to understand that this was a battle between the prophet Elijah and the servant of Baal. Hallelujah. Now, this battle came as a result of a drought that was happening in the land. Do you get me so far? Now, the Bible says that because of the drought that was happening, people were now dedicating themselves to Baal. I get in me. I get in me. Now, this is what happened. The Bible makes us understand that when Elijah decided by the inspiration of God to settle this issue of drought, God sent him to meet King Ahab. When he met King Ahab, he didn't just pray that the drought would end. Because we know that after this particular battle, he went onto a mountain and prayed seven times. So he could have just simply avoided Ahab, gone onto the mountain, prayed, so that God will remove the drought or the cares of that drought from them. Do you understand me so far? So if that was not the reason, if the reason was not merely to lift up that cares of a drought, then the question you must ask yourself is, what was the reason for this particular context? This particular contest. I guess me so far. Now, someone will say God wanted to show that he was a consuming fire. But the people of Israel to whom Elijah was throwing this challenge to, they knew already 
that God was a consuming fire. Do you understand me? They already knew that. And there are several examples of that. The Bible says in the book of Genesis chapter 19 verse 24, when God was speaking to Abraham and was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says that it rained down brimstone and fire. Now, if all the people of Israel are descendants of Abraham, that means that that story has been passed on. So they already knew that God was a God who could call down fire. Because that was the contest. The contest, the bottom line of everything that happened is that the God who answers by fire, let him be God. The Israelites, according to their ancestor Abraham, knew that God can call down fire and brimstone. Oh, do you understand me? The second point, in the book of Exodus chapter 9, when the people of Egypt were contesting and preventing Moses from rescuing the Israelites from their hand. One of the plagues, which was the plague of hail, the Bible says that when God rained hail, there was thunder and there was fire. In the book of Exodus chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. So if they didn't get the story from Abraham, they would get it from Moses and everyone that left Egypt. In the book of Leviticus chapter 9, when God instituted the order of the priests, the verse number 23 to the verse number 24. The Bible says that there was fire that consumed a particular sacrifice that Aaron and his, and his priests gave. Do you get me so far? Point number four. In the same Leviticus chapter 10, Aaron and his children have been able to give God a sacrifice. God received the sacrifice. Yesterday we learned about God, God sending down fire because he wants to accept your sacrifice. Now, in the chapter 10, the Bible says that now the descendants of Aaron went into the temple, Nahab and Abihu, and they were not qualified to offer a particular sacrifice. So the fire from the altar of God came in and what? Slew them. Do you understand that so far? I'm building a point. Then we go into the book of Numbers chapter 11. The verse number 1 to the verse number 3. There was a challenge. There was complaining in the camp of the Lord. And then Moses was before God. When God got angry, the Bible says that fire came from his presence and killed all those who were complaining. And then the point number, let me give you two more. In the book of Judges chapter 6, there's also another encounter. When God was about to select a leader in the name of Gideon, the Bible says that he offered the angel of the Lord a sacrifice to prove to him that his sacrifice was accepted. Fire consumed the sacrifice. Are we on the same page? And then the Bible says in the book of 2 Chronicles, when Solomon built the temple of God, he offered several sacrifices to dedicate the temple of God to God. As a sign of God coming down into that temple, fire was released. Are you getting me so far? So if I'm counting correctly, I've counted about seven instances where the people of God encountered the fire of God for different and various reasons. Are we on the same page? So they didn't need Elijah to come and tell them that the God who answers by fire, let him be God. They have seen it multiple times and not just in the same scenario, but in multiple scenarios. Are you on the same page? So if the people of Israel said to Elijah, 
what you have thrown as a challenge, it is well spoken of. Then that means that there was something else that was in this equation. And the thing that was in this equation was that the Israelites have not only known God as a consuming fire, but they've come to under the leadership of Ahab to know Baal also as a consuming fire. I get it mean. They have known God as a consuming fire all through the scriptures. If they can say to Elijah, Elijah, this is what they should have said. Elijah, you are saying that let the God who answers by fire be God. Elijah, this is a waste of our time. This is a waste of our time. Yesterday, by the calculation, they spent about 12 hours. That's just for the people of Baal. I don't know how long it took for Elijah to organize the altar, get the men to bring water. 12 different times because there was a drought. So where they got the water from, I don't know. So we don't know how long it took them. For them to waste almost, let's say, let's just say, let's just say, Elijah also took 12 hours. Let's just say, if you are being fair, let's just say it took him six hours. Then that means that there was a total of 18 hours arguing with the prophets of Baal, something that they already knew. They said, Elijah, we already know this. We know that Baal is a wooden god. After all, Ahab just built him and he built a temple for him in Samaria. So we know that fire there can't come out from wood. So we just know that you just keep your God. We know that Ahab and his people bow. They can't contest because we only know the fire-consuming God being Yahweh. I get to me. But they say that what you have spoken of, it is what you have said, it is well spoken of. That means that Baal had demonstrated to the people of Israel that he can also consume fire. He can also send down what? Fire. Someone will say, okay, so where is the proof of that? I don't want to give you a proof of that. The Bible says that when there was a similar challenge between Moses and the people of Egypt, in most of their first encounters that he, that he challenged them, the priests of Egypt were also able to what? Counter the challenge. Right? He brought down his staff. It turned into a snake. He sent what? What was the next thing I did? He turned water into blood. And then the people of Egypt also looked. Where they got the clean water from, I don't know. Because the Bible says that all the water in the land had been turned into blood. So maybe they went into Goshen, right? Perhaps. And then got water. And then turned it into blood. And then the Bible says that then they released, Moses then released another plague. This was the plague of the um, frogs or so. And the Bible says that at the end of that particular plague, the Egyptians said that there is the finger of God in this particular one. That means that they were going to continue to challenge Moses on his own terms until God intervened. So if you want a proof, that Baal could also challenge. That's the same thing that happened with the case of Moses. Baal had been consistently showing to the people of Israel that he could also consume sacrifices by fire. Why are getting me? I get to me. Now, so if this is what the case is, Israel knows God, Yahweh, as the fire-consuming God. Now, Israel has been proven to by Ahab that Baal is also a fire-consuming God. Do you understand that? You understand that? And that is why the people or the prophets of Baal decided to accept the challenge. Now, you must understand that the challenge was not thrown to the prophets of Baal. The challenge was thrown to the people of Israel that go and bring your gods. 
So if they went and called the prophets of Baal and they decided to accept, that means that they were ready because they knew that their God will answer that day. I get to me so far. I get to me so far. So let's move on to the next thing. The next thing I want us to understand. Now, what is the issue with Baal here? Because at one point in time, the Bible says that you have given yourselves over to Baals. Did you see that in your Bible? I think the verse number 18 or the verse number 20. Right. Now, you want you to understand that the word Baal means Lord. So it's not really the name of a God. It just means Lord. Now, what it means here significantly to the people of Israel, while, and the reason for which Elijah had to come down from wherever he was hiding to come and challenge Baal was that the priests and the kings of Israel, they had been consistently disappointing God. I want you to understand this. They have been what? Consistently, after David, disappointing God. Now, Ahab made a very, very unique impression on God. He disappointed God big time to the point that God even had to make a, make a comment about it. I get what I'm saying? Now, he disappointed God so much so that after all the wicked things he did, the Bible says that, and he angered God by going into the land of Sidon. And then he took a wife called Jezebel. Now, this wife called Jezebel was bringing, just as the other people have been doing, her God to the people of Israel. And that's a command that ever since they left Egypt, God had been warning them about. Do not get married to strangers because if you marry them, they will bring you their gods and their gods will ensnare you. Have you heard that in the Bible before? Are you with me so far? So this was not anything unique. The thing that was unique here is that apart from just worshipping the other gods as the people of Israel have been doing ever since they left Egypt, at this point in time, Jezebel made it her intention that we are not just going to contaminate the people of Israel and let them worship Baal. And the Bible says Baal. That means that there are multiple Baals. I get me. They are not just going to worship Baal, but then she is going to wipe from their existence, from their memory, the ideology of God. Pay attention to what I'm saying. They were not just what? Contaminating them by saying that this is another alternative God. That's not Jezebel's plan. Jezebel's plan unlike the rest, was that Israel was not going to know any other God except Baal. Because if it was the same thing, I mean, if you read the book of Judges, there were several times that the people of Israel married any of the ites. Hittites, Perizzites, Zamzubites, any of the ites. I get what I'm saying so far. It was the same thing. But then in this particular case, God had to step in. And that is why the premise on which this challenge was built was that, and the God who answers by fire, let him be what? God. Not just let him be one of the gods. We are not trying to prove that Baal was a powerful God. We are trying to say that Baal doesn't exist. Because if Baal answered by fire, we are saying that then God doesn't exist. And that was the chief aim of Jezebel. Why are you getting me so far? I've not lost you, have I? I've not lost you. So that was why the Bible says that they built this particular, what was it called? Drama with all the suspense. I mean, you can imagine it that day. So much drama that day. And then the Bible says that as Baal and his prophets were calling, Elijah was just throwing shade, was just throwing petrol into the fire, like literally. Like he was just, 
I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. There was so much drama on that day because one question had to be answered. You see, what had to be answered here was that there must be one clarity. There must be clarity. This is not an option of you are being contaminated with several gods. This is a question of who is your God? Who is your God? That is the question the people of Israel were answering that day. Who is your God? Not is Baal a God? Is Jehovah a God? The question is, who is your God? I get to me so far. I get to me so far. I get to me so far. So, let's look at the verse number 17 and 18 again. I just want us to look at something one more time. The verse number 17 and 18. The Bible says, if you can put it together, that will be great. The verse number 17 and 18 says, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? At this point in time, when Ahab met Elijah, he decided to call him the person who was causing all the calamity in Israel. Then Elijah says, It's not me. If it was a God person and this was written in God, it would sound very, very insulting. But I'm not going to try. It says that it is you and your father's house. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, are you with me? So, if you need the interpretation, after we exit this particular place, ask any person. Don't come and ask me. Right? Don't come and ask me. The Bible says that it is you and your father's house that have been troubling Israel. So, there was one thing a problem of not knowing who the trouble causer was. You understand me? So there was already that problem here. Then the Bible says in the verse number 24, then Elijah says that now the God who answers by fire, because right now Jezebel had, ex- had done so well so that the people of Israel didn't, the Bible says they didn't answer Elijah a word. That means that in their mind, they thought that Baal was also a God. Why are you getting me? So the Bible says in the verse number 37, give me the verse number 37 and the verse number 39. What's in the verse number 37? In the verse number 37, it says, Hear me, O Lord. This was the prayer of Elijah. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me, that the people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. It means that at that point in time, it wasn't that they didn't answer Elijah because they were considering two gods. Their hearts had already left God. Are you getting me? So the Bible says in the verse number 39, Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is what? God. The Lord, he is God. That was the whole premise of this particular battle. Trying to figure out who is God. So if you're writing notes, that's the one thing I want you to write. The first point. The whole point of the battle on Mount Carmel was to find out who was God. Who was God. If it was just about demonstrating power, the people of Israel didn't need examples. Are you with me so far? So what I'm talking about today, we are looking at the fire of separation and the fire of focus. That's our theme for today. The fire of separation and the fire of focus. I was thinking about these two words and I thought in my head that they were basically the same um, two words. 
But then I want to give an example. According to history, now this is a myth. A myth means that it's a story, but then it has no proof, right? According to this particular myth, in 250 BC, there is a scientist, Archimedes. You know Archimedes, right? The person with the word who invented the word Eureka. Okay, well, he didn't invent the word Eureka, but he shouted the word Eureka whilst running down the streets. He also did a number of things. He said, no, not Erica. <laughs> Eureka. Now, he also said at one point in time that give me a firm place to stand and a liver and I'll move the earth. He was very, very, very gifted intellectually. A philosopher, a mathematician, an inventor, an engineer, and all of those things. Now, this is the myth. The myth says that in 250 BC, there was a war between Rome and Greece. He was a Greek philosopher. So there were ships coming from Rome to attack Greece, where he was. And this is the myth. I'm, saying, I'm emphasizing myth so that you're not going to see this story as if it's a true story. I'm saying that it is not verified. So it's a myth. The myth says that he got a number of mirrors. And then he was able to put them in a particular ship. And then the story goes that he was able to harness the heat and the light of the sun and then targeted it at the invading ships and then he bent them down. You understand what I'm saying so far? I've not lost you. Now, even though this is a myth, we all know the signs behind this. When you have a kind of mirror that is in a particular ship, you can shine light and then you can centralize the light to a particular point until that light can become fire. Are you getting me? Now, if you don't even understand, I'm sure you've tried this maybe in GSS before, where you pick a magnifying glass and then go around burning ants. How many people did that? You burned ants. May the Lord forgive you. You burned ants. May the Lord forgive you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you understand me so far? So when you are able to centralize, harness the light of the sun and bring it to a particular point, it can bring fire. Now, if you move this a number of decades later, there is something called laser, right? Now, laser is a word, but it's actually an acronym, right? What's the acronym? Okay, let me refer to my notes also. Light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, I want you to, I should, I say it again. No, that's not the point of this class. <laughs> but laser is an acronym. I just want you to go and find it out. Now, what laser, it's all doing is that you gather rays of light, centralized to a particular focus, and then you can be able to do several things with it. If you want to do precision measurements, you need laser. You just don't need light. And I'm bringing your, your attention to two words centralization and what? Focus. Centralization and what? Focus. If you get some kind of lasers that have so much energy, they can begin to catch things. If you take this mentality another step higher, we have centralizing streams of water to get water jet. And you can even have water cutting through metal. You're an engineer, you know what I'm talking about, right? You understand what I'm saying? If you are able to centralize certain energies, 
and bring them to a particular point, you are able to bring fire. You are able to catch two things that are impossible. Now, I want you to have this in mind. In order to have laser, something that is centralized to the point that it can cut, it can burn, it means that you must be able to separate it from every and any other distraction. You must be able to separate it from the things that are confusing, the things that aren't really part of the plan, so that you can get it into a single beam so that it would achieve its purpose. When Elijah was on that mountain, this was not the first time that a man of God had been on the mountain where there was fire. The first time, if my memory serves me right, was on Mount Sinai. Now, on Mount Sinai, if you're writing notes, you can write this under the mountains of fire. Right? On Mount Sinai, this is what happened. There was God who decided to express himself as fire. Hallelujah. Now, there was only one man who was able to benefit from that encounter. When that man left his presence, the Bible says that he was shrouded in light. That means that you can still take light, compress it into a single encounter, and you would have fire. So when that man encountered fire, he came out as light. I'm saying that light and fire, it's a separation or there's a distinction of concentration. I get me so far. One man, God said, I am an embodiment of fire. I want to meet with my people. I want to tell them my mind. I want to tell them my vision for which I brought them out of Egypt. And I want them to know me. The people of Israel says that, bring you God. We don't, I mean, after all, you are the manna serving God. You are the Abba Father. So he says, bring you. Bring it on. After all, Moses has been meeting you several times. And nothing happened to him. The Bible says that when they gathered at the foot of that mountain, when God descended in his full glory as light, the Bible says that he said, they told Moses, don't even let God speak to us. For when we hear his voice, we shall die. God manifested as what? Light and fire. Concentrated at a mountain top. And was only one person that benefited. Then the Bible says, in the case of Elijah, they all gathered. And at this point in time, God didn't manifest as light, as fire. God didn't manifest. But he was able to get one man to channel all he knew in his encounter with God in one prayer. And then that concentration of light in his encounter and dealings with God. The Bible says that, and it brought down fire from the heavens. Are you with me? That same man, just one man, after that encounter, a lot of people didn't benefit. Because in the same encounter that God had with Moses, after God manifested as light, as fire, at the end of it, there was another manifestation in the camp and several people died. It was not a beneficial manifestation. Even though it was God who wanted an agenda to be completed. Then we come to Elijah and was also still what? One man. Then the Bible says, so when it got to the book of Matthew, when Jesus was about to go onto the cross, the Bible says that he didn't then go as one man. At one point in time, when he was now being getting, when he was getting ready to go onto the cross to die, the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 9, the verse number 31. The book of Luke chapter 
9, verse 31. The Bible says that now on this particular mount of transfiguration, there were three people. Now, these were the three people, included Jesus, who we know as the light, but then included two previous people who had, an, who had encounters of light on the mountain. And the Bible says that they talked concerning his sacrifice and his death. You understand me so far? You understand me so far? So now, two people came. I don't know which. Um, give me the verse number 31. It says what? Who appeared in glory and spoke of his disease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. He was talking about his what? His death, which was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now, the Bible then says, on the fourth mountain, whether it's a mountain or a hill, when Jesus was now offered up on the cross, in the book of John chapter 9, the verse number 20, the Bible says that he received the judgment of God, just as Elijah allowed the judgment of God to fall upon the sacrifice. And then Jesus said it was finished. I get me so far. Then when we come into the book of Acts, there were now a gathering of saints. They had now been transformed, just as Jesus was the son of light. They have now been transformed as members and individuals of light. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 2, give me the verse number 1, that they were gathered together in one accord. When they were gathered together in one accord, like light that had not been centralized, there was a burden of fire. There was what? A burden of fire. Now, this was a congregation of people. They each had light inside of them. They each had light inside of them. And they came together in one place, in one accord. Just as the myth said, harnessing all the various rays of the sun and targeting it at a particular point. And the Bible says that after the sound of the wind, there were now cloven tongues of fire upon their head. I get me so far. A congregation of men and women who symbolize light coming together in one place, in the upper room. The Bible says that, and then there was now what? Fire. Now, if you read what we looked at in the book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, coming down to the verse number 6 and 7. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4, we've already seen the statement that God is a consuming fire. And he's used that statement several times. In the book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, the Bible says that, if you can just read again for me, chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. Song of Solomon chapter 8 from verse 6 to 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. Pause it now, when you read the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4, at the point when we saw that God was a consuming fire, one of the extra verses that we see that God is also a jealous God. So we talk about the concentration of a particular emotion. Jealousy. And the Bible says that it was consuming fire. When you come to Songs of Solomon, it was talking about the concentration of a particular emotion called what? Love. Or a particular kind of energy. And the Bible says that it became what? A flame of fire. I get me so far. I get me so far. So, what happened on the, 
In Acts chapter 2, the verse number 1, when the people of God were now gathered, there was now a concentration of a particular emotion. There was now a concentration of a particular personality. There was now a concentration of a particular identity. And when that concentration happened, the Bible says that it became fire. It became a symbol for the people that were even around to be able to witness it. Now, the question I have for you is, what is the concentration of the personality of God inside of you? What is the concentration of the emotions of God inside of you? When you look at a particular lady by your side, are you having a concentration of love or a concentration of lust? When there's an issue that has happened, are you having a concentration of anger or a concentration of forgiveness? Because whatever concentration, we looked at jealousy, it was an emotion, right? We've looked at love, and it's also been referred to as fire. So that means that I can extend and say that any kind of concentration of a particular personality, a particular emotion that you have, it can generate or degenerate into fire. When you are angry with someone at a particular point, and what's the concentration of the emotion in you? When God tells you to do something, what's the concentration of that? What is the faith in you? Is it fear in you? Because if it is faith, it will turn into fire. If it is fear, it will turn into fire. If it is love you are having, it will turn into fire. If it is lust you are having, it will turn into fire. If it is anger you are having, it will turn into fire. Why are you getting me so far? The Bible says that, oh, sorry, give me Songs of Solomon again. Just put it back there. Songs of Solomon. It says that for love is as strong as death. Then it brings that same word again. Jealousy, as cruel as the grave. It didn't then explain what the it is. Did you see that? It's flame as flames of fire. He had referred to love as a flame. He has referred to jealousy as a flame. What you are feeling, what is it? Because whatever it is, it will turn into fire. Whatever it is, it will turn into fire. Because if you are able to concentrate a particular energy, at a particular point, it turns into fire. I get me so far. I get me so far. So when the people of Israel were gathered on that particular mountain, Baal had a concentration of power. And at that point in time, the people of Israel believed in their Baal so much so that he would answer them because they knew that when they offered all the sacrifices, so the Bible says that when they couldn't get it to the right concentration, they began to jump upon the altar. Did you see that in your Bible? They began to cut themselves until the Bible said that the blood began, began to move out of them. They were trying to increase the concentration so that they would get fire ignite. And then we had one man come onto the scene. He had spent time with God. He had a particular encounter and he had the personality of light. The Bible says that he gathered and he made sure that his mirrors were clean. So that when God was bringing down his own light also... There will be no distraction. There will be no diffusion. It would all be concentrated on the altar. It would all be what? Concentrated on the altar. And the Bible says that after he spoke, then fire came down. After he spoke, then fire came down. Now the question I want you to ask yourself, what you are feeling, what you are exhibiting, is a concentration of what? It's a concentration of what? Let's look at five concentrations. They'll be out of here. The first one, the concentration of love. 
We've looked at this in the book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 to 7. There is also the concentration of purity. The book of Mark, chapter 9, the verse number 41. What's in the book of Mark, chapter 9? Give me the verse number 47. We'll find that scripture. Mark chapter 9, the verse number 49. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice be seasoned with salt. That means that it comes to a point in time that as a Christian, there must be some kind of concentration of purity, some kind of concentration of seasoning. Some kind of concentration of God having his right taste. If you are having the right taste, that means that you are amplifying the right ones and getting rid of the others. Are you with me so far? Then the concentration of vision. That's the third point. The book of Proverbs chapter 18, the verse number 1. We looked at this yesterday. The Bible says that for a man who isolates himself, seek his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Give me the King James version of this. Through desire, a man, having separated himself, seeks and intermeddles with all wisdom. That means that when you have the right vision, the Bible says that there is a separation that occurs so that you can concentrate your efforts at a particular site. Now, yesterday, Apostle was talking about distractions and use one of our ladies here as an example. That because of a particular word that has been given to you, there is a need for you to start going to God so that you seek his Particular understanding. Otherwise, the enemy is going to throw distractions on your way. I get to me so far. So it means that when you are able to get a particular mandate from God, a particular vision from God, there is a need for you to, as the Bible says, isolate, or the King James Version says, separate, so that there will be a channeling or a concentration of that particular vision of God. I get to me so far. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, we are looking at the fourth point, which is the concentration of faith. It says that even our faith, that the genuineness of our faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is a kind of fire that comes, a kind of fire of separation, and the Bible says that this kind of fire, it attacks our faith. That at the end of it all, our faith will be concentrated. Our faith will be pure. Our faith will have the right focus. I guess what I'm saying so far. And the Bible says that when it is tested, when it has been purified, when it has been refocused, then the Bible says that it will be found no longer as faith, but it will be found as praise. It will be found as honor. It will be found as glory at the revelation of Christ Jesus. And then the last thing that I want us to focus on is the concentration of the things above. The concentration of the things above or the concentration of the heavenly. The concentration of the heavenly. Now, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 12, the verse number 25 to the verse number 29. Now, this is also another point in time where the Bible uses the phrase, for our God is a consuming fire. Now, I want us to start from the very beginning 
in the verse number 25 so that we understand the context in which this particular verse was placed. The Bible says, Now, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape, who refused him who spoke on earth? How much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? The verse number 26 says, Whose voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this, yet once more, indicates, if the Bible is yours, underline this, the removal of things that are being shaken. The removal of things that are being shaken. As of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. If the Bible is yours, underline that phrase also. That the things which cannot be shaken may remain. The verse number 28 says, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace that by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And the verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming farm. Now, if you look at this particular verse, or this particular scripture, the Bible is talking about a shaking. And it was talking about the removal of the things that have been made. Now, what the Bible is saying here is that when the fire of God comes, when the fire of separation comes, when the fire of focus comes, anything that God hasn't set in place, the Bible says that it will be taken away. And the Bible says that not only things on the earth, but things in the heavenlies. And by extension, I can say that everything in your life also. By extension, I can say everything in your heart also. That means that if there's something in you that has not been planted by God, that means that when there is that shaking, when there's that light or there is that focus, that thing must give way. I get me so far. That thing must give way. In the case of the Mount Carmel, the Bible says that now there were the people of Baal and there, were pe- and there was one man, Elijah, according to his own testimony, not the testimony of God. Because when he was praying, he said that there is only one prophet that is left. That is not what God said. That is his testimony. If we are using his testimony, there was only one person who was standing in the gap and all the others were things that the people of Israel were trying to impose on themselves. And the Bible says that when the fire of God descended, there was a separation and there was a distinction. I get me so far. Now, that means that the prayer of today or the focus of today is that we allow the fire of God to bring us clarity. To remove anything that must be removed. Because the things that have not been planted by him, the Bible says that it can be shaken. If there's a particular interest you have in a particular company, if that thing has not been planted by God, the storms of this life will shake it away. If there's a particular desire you have for, whether a brethren or a sistering, if that desire has not been placed by God, when the storms of time come, the storms of distance come, it will be shaken. When there's a particular desire for you to do something for God, maybe ministry, maybe start a career, maybe start a particular business, when there's the storm of opposition, if it is not planted by God, it will be shaken. And the Bible says that that only the things that remain may be established. And then he added by saying that, for our God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Now, what we are praying for today is that, Father, 
let all the fake things fall down. Anything that is trying to question who is God in your life, let it fall down. Anything that is trying to question what the godly plantings of God in your life are, let it be shaken. If you are on the Mount of Carmel at this point in time, maybe in the area of your relationship, and you cannot understand, you cannot find it, whether this is what God is saying or this is what the enemy is saying, then we are praying that the fire of God will bring a separation. If you are presented with several opportunities, be it career, be it school, and you are trying to find out, Father, is this yours or this is the voice of a bow? We are saying that, Father, let your fire of separation bring clarity. Oh, are you getting me so far? Are you getting me so far? If there is a particular journey in front of you, maybe you are trying to figure out, Father, am I supposed to go here or am I supposed to go there? The Bible says that when the fire of God descended, there was no more double-mindedness. And that is one of the struggles of the people of the church. An ability that we have, that we are unable to make decisions. That sometimes you can even speak to someone and then you tell the person, oh, this is what God has told me to do. This Is it A or is B? Right now, the Holy Ghost-filled church will say, we'll pray about it. And we know that we'll not pray about it because we just want to delay the decision. Oh, do I have a witness here? Oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? I, I should ask the girls, right? I should ask the girls. That someone will come and tell her that, sistering, I like the way you smile at me. It is impressed upon my heart that the Lord is speaking to me about you. And I've been praying to the God whom I serve that he also speaks to you. And then he said, don't worry, I'll pray about it. And then he said that three months have passed by, four months have passed by, six months have passed by, and the man of God is in anguish. And is in turmoil of soul. Because the sistering hasn't prayed about it. We are using that opportunity as an avenue to not make a decision. I get me so far. And today that is what I'm praying, that in the name of Jesus, any garment that prevents you from making a decision because of double-mindedness may it be bent away by the fire of God. May it be bent away by the fire of God. May it be bent away by the fire of God. We are praying that anything that has become an alternative in your life. You see, the people of Israel, they had bowels as an alternative to the Yahweh that they knew. They had an alternative. So they believed in their God so much so that, that despite the fact that they were in drought for three years and a half, the Bible says that they didn't think it wise to go back to God because they knew that one of the identities of Baal is the Baal, I mean, there's one of the names, but one of the meanings of the gods that they worship was the God of harvest. So that means that they were continually praying to that God of harvest because they didn't even register. It didn't even register in their mind that they must go back to God and remedy their steps. They thought that one of the boughs, the God of harvest, will be able to give them their harvest. And maybe God has given you a particular mandate and then there's an alternative. And now there is competition affecting what God has given to you. We are praying that may that competition wither away. May that competition wither away. And then finally, we'll pray for the church. That anything that has infiltrated the church, that is giving the church competition, both inside the church and outside the church. That right now, people have alternatives looking for apps, as the man of God at the back will say. For an encounter with God, we are praying that those options will bend away. 
You see, there is no, I see, I, I see that many people have been posting this thing on their status that says that some of us, we take this Christian thing seriously because we only have God or God or God or God. How many of you have seen that before? Have you seen that before? Have you not seen that before? Okay, I'm sure one of you posted somewhere and then we'll all see. You're saying that the, the post says that we are taking this Christian thing World Cup because for us, we don't have any other option because our options are God or God or God. And sometimes I think about it so much and I ask yourself, is that really the case? See, if you have some kind of ailment right now, would your first thought be to pray about it or to go to the hospital? It means that in your relationship with God, going to the hospital has become a bar that is challenging the healing power of God in your life. I'm not saying don't go to the hospital. I want to put this disclaimer there. I'm not saying don't go to the hospital. I'm just saying that it will not be your first thought. Or I'm, only, I'm the only one that's confessing my sin. Do I have any witness with me? If you fall down right now and let's say you twist your ankle, would your first inclination be Father, or would your first inclination be to the people, give me anointing oil? Would that be the first thing that comes to your mind? No. You see, where is the nearest x-ray facility? If they call you right now and they say that, oh, something has happened to your, let's say, car. Something has happened. This man said, Jesus. <laughs> something has happened to your car, right? Let's say if you are sitting here, something has happened to your car, wherever it is. If you don't have one to me, the Lord release one to you. But something has happened to your car. Will your first thought be, let me pray about it? Or your first will be, let me go online and look for the hotline number for my insurance company. Oh, are you getting me? Will that be your first thought? It means that in your life, your insurance company is becoming one of the bars in your life. If something happens to you and maybe you, someone insulted you, someone disrespected you and you are feeling emotionally down, will your first thought be, let me fellowship with the Spirit of God or let me check which of my girlfriends is on speed dial number two? Because there might be number three also. I know what I'm saying. That means that in your work with God, your girlfriend or boyfriend on speed dial number two whether two or three, maybe you give two to your mother, three to your father. So speed now number four. Hallelujah. It's becoming a ball in your life. I guess you mean, if there's something that has happened to you right now and you are confused, you need clarity. You need to find out, okay, so this particular thing that I'm doing, like, is this the right way to do it? Will your first thought be, let me go to God in prayer? Or you pull your phone and go to www.google.com. And then he said, how might we da, 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 da. Oh, do you understand me? If that is the first thing that you do, before you say, uh, oh, I've not even prayed about it, then Google is becoming one of the bows in what? Your life. You're not getting me. You're not getting me. If, let's say, and I'm going to say this very carefully, I'm saying this very carefully. Very carefully. I'm saying it with what? Extra caution. You are sleeping and then you have a nightmare. And some demon is chasing you. 
will your first thought be, where is apostle's number? Or you say, let me find God. I get what I'm saying. And what I'm trying to say is that you need to get to a point where the options that make you compete. You see, there's one point in time that apostle told me that I have to get to a point where I become irrelevant in your life. That means that you must know God for yourself. If your only access to God is through me, then that means that when something happens to me, your faith will be questioned. I know what I'm saying? And that is how come certain people, some people hear things about men of God, they hear things about churches, and then they say, okay, even if this can happen to a church, then I'll not go to church again. That means that the church has become, I'm saying this very, very carefully, a kind of a ball in your life. Where your option, that of the church, is now competing with the reality of God in your life. Oh, am I, am I talking to you? Oh, you're not getting me. You're not getting me. If there's a particular examination that you need to prepare for, it's your first thought to ask God for clarity or to search for your Telegram or WhatsApp group and see, Chale, guys, has the thing dropped? Has the FI given us those notes? Did the FI give us the reference pages of the test that is going to come? Because, you see, and that is why, that is why Apostle said something yesterday, and I want to just emphasize it, that there are generations that work through knowing God, and then they build particular structures, and the next generation that comes, they, are, they, they, they already see the things that they must pray for already there, so they don't work through knowing God. Because they are already the established systems. Are you getting me? So, if your focus for being here at this far come is because you have a singular request in your heart that this visa, this admission, it should be accepted. This appointment, it must be approved. And God answers it. And then, because God has answered it, you have no more prayer topic. Then, what you are asking for, even though it's a need that God will answer, has become a battle in your life. Or am I with you so far? Am I with you so far? The things that are competing, giving you an alternative, an option to who God is. The Bible says, for you have gone ahead to worship bows. Bows. And the question to you, who are the bows in your life? As you are asking God for fresh fire for a new beginning, one of the fires that we are talking about or we're talking about today is that there is the fire of separation and there is the fire that brings focus. If your entire vision in life isn't centered on the one true king, then any other thing can be shaken away. Just as the book of Hebrews chapter 12 says. Any other thing. Any other thing. Any other thing. There are people we know who trusted in their muscle power who trusted in the ability of their feet to run fast. And then something happened. And then they lost that trust. And they were now no more. There are people who trusted in how well they speak. And something happened to their voices. And now they are nowhere to be found. There are people who trusted in how wise they are. How critical they can think. And something happened to their minds. Something might not even have happened to their mind, but something happened around them and it shook them to the core. And then now they say they are nothing. My question to you, 
What are the bows in your life? Are you with me so far? What are what? The bows in your life. The most important thing for me as we are praying for the church is Acts chapter 2 verse 1. That there was a concentration of individuals of light. We talked about the emotion of jealousy. We talked about the emotion of love. When there was that light concentrated, the Bible says that they were in one place, in one accord. Then there was a tangible manifestation of life. There is so much on oneness when it comes to love in the body of Christ. When it comes to the things of God. When it comes to people's dealing with one another. And this person says that I'm a man of light. This woman says that I'm a woman of light. This child says that I'm a child of light. This lady says I'm a lady of light. Yet when they come together, they cannot be separated from everything that is a distraction that will become one singular focus where there will be light or there will be fire. And we are doing things as a body of Christ, but because it is not laser focused, there is no effect. Why are you getting me so far? I get to me so far. There are families that have been told, see, there's a vision of God. And see, and that is why, if you understand what I'm talking about in terms of focusing, in terms of vision, you would understand some of the structures that God even decides to put in place. And God says that even for the place of marriage, for instance, He acknowledges that all of us submit one to another. But then He says that when it comes to the order of things, the woman submits to the man, and the man submits to. Christ and even Christ submits to God because there must be singularity of what? Focus. Singularity of vision. You can't have a particular household and you say that, oh, I dreamt this night and God says that we are going to Kaswa for evangelism. And then the lady will say, ah, I sure. But two days ago when I also had a dream, I dreamt that we we're going to the Bahamas for evangelism. And then I see Kaswa or the Bahamas? Kaswa or the Bahamas? Kaswa or the Bahamas? Some people are saying Kaswa. <laughs> they are just be modest. <laughs> Hallelujah. But two different people now having the same God. Who, and the last time Apostle gave a particular example. I don't know if it was here. That he was at a particular camp and then he woke up in the morning and five ladies came to him. All talking about a particular dream that God had given them. And the surety of God's word that this particular brethren, God has shown to me in my dream that he's my husband. The first person went. Second person came. God has told me that this person is my husband. Second person went. Third person came. God has shown me that this same human being then Apostle said, God, are you confused? The question was, are the gods crazy? Because they must, they must be crazy. If God is giving you diverse visions about the same particular thing. And I'm not talking about different angles or different insights or different levels of revelation, but the same thing. So the question is, what are the bows? Oh, do you get me so far? When it comes to the church, what are the bows? What are the things that we have elevated? It might be a wooden statue that seems worthless. But at this point in time, we have elevated it and placed premium on it. That even in a church, if you don't have X number of members, it means that God is not flowing or God is not using you. If you don't have X number of followers, 
X number of this, it means that God doesn't know. What are the things? It seems worthless as a number. It seems worthless as bad that is made out of wood. Yet the people of Israel elevated it to a standard that now it challenged the identity of God. It challenged the identity of God. Oh, are you getting me? Are you getting me? What is it that one thing that you are elevating? Maybe for you it is one. Maybe for the brother sitting next to you, it might be five things that have been. Oh, the Bible says bows. So I want to make I want to make room for more than one. Say amen. I want to make room for what? More than one. What are the things? So the Bible says that when the disciples gathered, they didn't have plurality, multiple. They didn't. Have, they were not in multiple accords. They, they, the Bible says they were not in multiple places. They were in one single place. And when there was that concentration of light, the Bible says that then fire came. Oh, do you understand me? Do you understand me? The final thing that I want us to look for before we rise up to pray. Basically, the last few things that I'm saying, I'm just mentioning our prayer topic. The last thing that I want us to talk about before I leave here. Psalm 57, the verse number 4. Let's just read it. Now, in the book of Psalm 57, verse 4. This was one of the Psalms that David was speaking to God about because he was in danger. And he needed God to intervene. Now, look at what he says. He says, my soul is among lions. Then semicolon. A semicolon could probably be a full stop if you look at Because there's two sentences that are being joined together. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire. Then it describes these, it describes another category of people. Whose teeth are spear and arrow and their tongue a sharp sword. David was saying that I lie among danger. I lie among lions. The things around me are about to consume me. But then he made one particular statement. But I am in the midst of the sons of men who have set themselves on fire. I'm in the midst of the sons of men who are consumed with a particular single focus. I'm in the midst of a group of men who are consumed with a particular identity. Whether it's the identity of God or the identity of enemy. That, that is not the focus for this point. But he recognized that there were a group of men. They were what? Set on fire. One particular passion. One particular passion. And David had to recognize that. And our prayer is that, Father, no matter where we'll be, if our families are in the midst of lions, if our education are in the midst of lions, if our careers are in the midst of lions, if this nation is in the midst of lions, things that are destructive, Father, may we find like-minded people who are set on fire for you. May we find like-minded people who have the same passion of God as you. May we find like-minded people who are consumed with one single focus. The light of God that is centralized to a place that it becomes fire. You understand me so far? Let's be on our feet. I want us to lift up our voice and we'll be praying soon. One man encountered God on Mount Sinai. And it was only that one man that left there with light.
was only that one man that benefited. One man encountered God on Mount Carmel and it was only that one man that benefited. Three people encountered God on the Mount of Transfiguration. The two left, it was only still one man that benefited from that particular encounter. One man went to the cross and encountered the wrath of God. At that point in time, the Bible says that all his disciples left him. It was still not beneficial to a particular extent until like-minded people with the image and the identity of God gathered together with a laser-focused emotion of love. Laser-focused clarity in their passion for God. Laser-focused clarity in the understanding of God. And the Bible says that and when they were in one accord, in one place, then there were cloven tongues of fire upon their heads. When they were in one accord, in one place, then there were cloven tongues of fire upon their head. We're going to lift up our voice and we're going to pray. Our prayer is simple. That Father, in the name of Jesus, anything that must fall away, anything that brings distraction, anything that brings multiples, anything that brings alternatives, anything that brings options in my life, Father, let your fire of focus take it away. Let your fire of separation take it away. The Bible says that, and let the heavens and the earth be shaken, that only the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Anything that has been planted by hell, anything that has been planted by man, that has not been planted by God, Father, today we shake it by your fire that it may fall. Oh, do you understand me? Father, today we shake it by your fire that it may fall. We are praying that the fire of God will enter into every aspect of your life, be it things concerning your family, be it things concerning your relationship, be it things concerning your mindset, the ideologies that you have embedded in your mind and your heart, maybe because of the things you have learned. Father, if it is contrary to the things of God, Father, we shake it by your fire, that your fire of separation and your fire of focus will take it away. Oh, say amen. Amen. That your fire of separation will take it away. That your fire of separation will take it away. Your fire of focus will take it away. If there are options concerning the word of God, and for, and for this, if you are, if, 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 wherever you are, we are praying that, Father, if there is any kind of multiple voices speaking to me about the same thing, that I'm confused, I'm in that valley of confusion, Father, let your fire of separation take away all voices that are not yours. All voices that are not yours. Voices that are uplifting options. Voices that are presenting alternatives as if they are the alternatives of God. That are putting the authority of God into question. Father, we shake them away by your right hand. Father, we shake them away by your fire. Father, we shake them away by your fire. Father, we shake them away by your fire. By your fire of separation. Father, let them all fade away. Oh, do you understand what I'm going to pray about? If you understand what I'm going to pray about, let's lift up our voice right now and pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we shake them away by your fire. Father, we shake them away by your fire. By your fire of separation. Father, let them all fade away. Oh, do you understand what I'm going to pray about? If you understand what I'm going to pray about, let's lift up our voice right now and pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this, 
share it with someone and be an agent of impactful change for the kingdom of God. God bless you.